Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Sorry about the mess. The scavenger was super rude to me. Ooh, mystery woman in a hood? My favorite stories all start like this. I guess I can dispense with the hood. Cordelia? Hello, Spike. Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Have you heard of it? <laughs> a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and tangential mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. one by one. Spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and it's good to be back. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you have this much energy not in front of a live audience. I, I almost feel like I should stand up and start clapping or whooping or something. Uh, I I've am... been I've been conserving my life force for many months now, Kristen. <laughs> uh, I am Kristen Russo, and this week, hey, we're fucking back, baby. We are talking Ooh. about the debut episode of the nine-part Audible series called slayers a buffy verse story jenny you're what? not you're not writing songs for this i don't think but should you be so inspired you know i'm sure the people would love it anything could happen so i might you know get the itch we'll see what happens <laughs> uh this episode was written by amber benson you know her you Heard love her? her and and christopher golden it was directed by amber benson and christopher golden and co-directed and produced by Casey Wayland. It originally aired on October 12th, 2023. Ah, just about one month before your 42nd birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listen, I just get to make up the this is the one where it's because we're for the you know it cannot be underestimate no what's the word i'm looking for it's a big deal that we are in current time i don't even know that we know how to do this we have never spoken about a show together that is airing at that moment the closest we've come is yellow jackets but this one mm-hmm. is just right here right now baby uh so i've oh, yeah. got no imdbs uh nothing to go on i'm just gonna say <laughs> this is the one where it's 12 years after the end of buffy the vampire slayer the television series uh spike is undercover in la there's a new slayer named indira cordelia chase returns clem is here Fucking Drusilla is in an alternate reality with Anya, but also Anyanka maybe is in this reality and someone called Giles. How did I do? <laughs> you did beautifully. What did I forget? I'm sure I forgot something. Well, okay, 12 years after the finale, 
Uh, so it's 2015. Mm. Fedoras are on the way <laughs> out, says says queer hosts Jenny and Kristen. Fedora. And we all breathe a collective sigh of relief. Yeah, seriously. The brims are growing wider. <laughs> uh, pant waistlines are inching higher. It's, it's a very exciting time wow. to be alive. Wow. 2015. 2015, Jenny, is actually... Wait, so, th- so if this is 2015, which we actually don't technically know, we're going off of the fact that Spike says in episode it's about a dozen years. Um, but mm-hmm. 2015 is the year that we left and headed west to Los Angeles. So Where we started a podcast. Oh, my God. Jenny, do you think us starting the podcast was what created the, sh- the like, shift, the universal the shift? in yeah. space and time <laughs> yeah. that allowed, yeah, yes, yes, correct, yes. Wow. I didn't think about any of that in my listen. I'm excited. Should we start with big thoughts? You got any big thoughts? Yeah, yeah. We are back in the Buffyverse. And, okay, so here's my big thoughts on this episode. I got the most emotional when the theme hit and when Charisma Carpenter's voice hit my ears. Those were moments mm-hmm. where I felt like I could weep kind of emotions. Um, yeah. I think that this episode, I assume just like television, has the monumental lift of exposition of like setting all of our listeners up for where we are, what is happening, who is related to who and how. Um, And for that, (laughs) I think it did a very good job. I am kind of seeing the characters that we might get recurring, apart from obviously the core ones. Uh, And overarchingly... I'm I mean, it goes without saying this is a story that was written in part by Ember Benson. This is bringing Cordelia Chase back into the universe after being written off in a way that much of the fandom is very upset with. This is badass. This is like if I had gone to bed and dreamt a dream of something cool that could happen to this story, it would have been this dream. So I am just stoked to get to dive into it with you Jenny yeah I feel like in a way okay so like obviously like a pilot episode a pilot season has like so much to do but in a way even though this is a world that's already established maybe because this is a world and characters that are already established in our minds this episode has more to do in a lot of ways yeah um, that's a really good just point a straight up pilot right it's yeah. like it's got to do all the work of a regular pilot <laughs> and like introduce the concept and the characters, but also like convince us, <laughs> you know, uh, get us on board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like get, cause it's doing the double lift, which is, I'm just kind of repeating what you're saying in another way. It's doing the lift of you're a new listener, right? Because you of course want this to be listenable, uh, by folks who might not know the whole backstory of Buffy. But then you're doing the double lift of you already, if you already know these characters, I have to establish them so that you agree these are the same characters that you knew 12 years ago and explain everything that has gotten us to this point, or at least enough to get us into the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tonally, this is so different in a lot of ways uh than what we're used to the stories in this universe feeling like it's like even though angel spun off and was like kind of a noir 
mm-hmm. sort of semi-noir. <laughs> yeah. uh, it still had the same people writing the same kind of jokes. Totally. Uh, you know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and the same sort of like creative forces behind the scenes. Uh, here we have New Blood. We have a different kind of noir. This feels like very smoky and like a little less jokey than we're used to tonally. Uh, but there is still some whimsy. That was the that was the original tagline. It was Slayers, more smoky, less jokey. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, to uh, to the point too of it being the pilot. I'm sure that we're going to get into a place with our coverage of these episodes where we will have listened to more than just one. But as of this recording. We've only heard one. And so I do wonder, too, if, you know, clearly different writers, different kinds of jokes or what have you. But if you're limited to a certain amount of time per episode and you've got to fit all this fucking story in, there's also a a good chance that there's just not enough room for a lot of those quips and other sorts of things. Um, Will it get quippier? Maybe. But maybe it's just not that kind of story. And I'm I'm interested in, you know, either either answer to that. Me too. Question. Then uh, Latoya Ferguson, who is, of course, producing this with us, um, I think asked a really good question uh, in her notes, which is just what are what are we wanting from this? Which, uh, you know, I don't even know. And, and you know, Latoya said, uh, apart from obviously justice for Cordelia Chase, which is <laughs> we all want we justice all... for Cordelia. Yeah. But uh, what else do we want? I want a good time. I want to have fun. Yeah, I want to. I mean, I'm already winning here. I'm already back. With old friends, mm-hmm. uh, it's always great to see them or hear them, as the case may be. Yeah. So I'm pumped. I mean, it's it's really tough to say what's what right now because we just have, like, the first little nibble of the story. And I want to know yeah. what's going on. I want to know what's going to happen. And this is, this is, and I've said this before, I'm sure, in a million podcasts, but this is my favorite part about uh, traversing in the sci-fi fantasy space is that like nothing no door is ever shut you you can always find a way to reopen doors and universes like these um and so i'm i'm really excited i also would like to have fun i think clem i mean clem might be the fun mvp of this episode and probably is going to wind up being the fun mvp of the nine episodes uh james leary just absolutely i felt like clem was sitting in the room with me um he just does such a phenomenal job and he brings he really is the one doing the most lift in terms of like bringing lightness to the fore uh so i'm sure that he'll be doing that for episodes to come I want to say big picture. I'm also like absolutely stoked to find out about this fucking door in the magic box. Like really, really want to know more about that and Mm -hmm, hoping mm -hmm. to get, I mean, I assume we're going to get some more history because we know some of the plot points and some of the like story points by the first episode, but we don't know all of them. And the magic box and its evolution is one that I really, really, really cannot wait to learn more about. Yeah. 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 So... We open with a violin. Kristen, did it remind you of anything? Oh, it did. I saw Angelus and Darla, Drusilla <laughs> and Spike walking through the fire as soon as I heard those strings. Oh, me, I see Angel in an alley covered in dirt <laughs> with a ponytail, <laughs> yeah. uh, unable to even catch a rat for himself. Yeah, I'm sure and then both also. Of- even though I know this isn't accurate, when I try to think of the melody that the violin is playing, the only melody that I can conjure in my mind is 
same it's morgan's fault morgan did it to us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, yeah but i thought this was i mean you i think uh deserve more space here for talking about the music obviously being a musician but i thought that the like strings into the electric guitar did a good job of sort of like moving forward through time which i think was the purpose mm. of the choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah and one thing i can definitely say for this Medium is, at least if you're me, if you're listening on like over-the-ear headphones that have plenty of low end, you are getting a part of James Marster's voice that maybe you've never even heard before. The (laughs) low resonance is like really, really captured and coming through in a way that probably uh, you don't get as richly in the way that uh, television is audiofied you know the Mm -hmm. way that they're recording sound as they're shooting or doing vo and the way you're hearing it out of your like laptop speakers for example yeah or your tv speakers of uh you know 1997 to 2003 yeah and i mean i think that that's a good thing to touch on just in broad strokes is you know jenny you listen to a lot more uh, podcast and audio drama. Kristen, famously a podcast hater I to hate, this day. Yeah, that's really, I'm really being dragged into a genre that I tried <laughs> to avoid here. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I, I really don't. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. It's just not a medium that I uh, soar with. However, that's not really the case when there's a, a narrative to it. You know, like I can listen mm-hmm, to an mm-hmm. audiobook and a story. It's it's more just podcasts. Like I would never listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> never hey. not no no way i i do because that's my job but um but i wonder since you have so much more experience than me jenny in you know audioscapes what you thought just generally of some of the sound design here and some of the use yeah. of sound effects yeah i think that there's some really great stuff going on i feel like close to the top of the episode i was i was like wow there's <laughs> there's really a lot going on in this bar slash bar fight slash casino thing that is like I think a hard thing to pull off but I definitely felt like I was in the middle of it usually the the audio fiction that I listen to is usually like single narrator plus spooky music (laughs) yeah that's like that's where I tend to go although I have in the last like year or so I've listened to a bunch of audible originals and um People listening to this and people who love Buffy might really in- enjoy uh, Impact Winter, which is sort of a, a vampire-centric story that just uh, released its second season pretty recently. Oh, that cool. is awesome. Cool. Uh, and even in those, even in like Impact Winter, even though it has like a as ensemble-y, I think, as a cast as this does, it's more sort of isolated. They're not doing a lot of big yeah. sort of like uh crowded room scenes it's mm-hmm. more sort of like quiet meditative like maybe a few people are together at once but for the most part it's kind of like these one-on-one kind of things uh where you're not having to have like you're not having to create an entire space right in somebody's mind just using audio but i, th- I think they're doing yeah 
a really nice job. Yeah, I, mean, I was overwhelmed. Like I was like definitely felt like I was in the middle of a bar fight. So I guess good job on that sense. Yeah, but I yeah. um I loved the behind closed doors sort of vibe. Like when Clem comes and pulls Spike to the other room, the door opening, right, the right, muffled right. sounds behind it. Um, yeah, I that's that- all giving us like this huge sense of space. I think that they're anticipating to a lot of people coming over who maybe aren't used to listening to audio fiction who mm. are Buffy fans who want more Buffy stories. Yeah. And so I feel like we're getting a little more like hand-holding audio-wise, like yeah. watch where you're throwing that fiaral or whatever, you know, like yeah. w- which somebody might not necessarily say if they were <laughs> witnessing a fiaral <laughs> on two ginger vampire uh, bar fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But which, you know, they're, they're giving us plenty of cues uh, to let us know What's happening where? Mm-hmm. All right. So you already said we start with a voiceover. The Spike's dulcet... been a bad, <laughs> bad, bad, bad boy. <laughs> cue, uh, cue Faith in Buffy's body because it's yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly, very exactly. much the vibe here. We are so happy. Yeah. We're so happy. Yeah. Uh, this is... A shade of Spike that we haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe we haven't ever seen this precise shade of Spike, but when last we saw Spike, uh, he was uh, <laughs> doing his measuring contest with Angel in an ongoing sense, <laughs> uh, which, you know, we love to see. Yeah. We love to see Boreanis and Marsters uh, trying to like out simp each other for Buffy. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Uh, but it's a very different flavor than what we're getting here. This is feeling, this is like hearkening back to classic Spike. Like once we started to get actual character development from Spike and not the sort of just like looming big big bad kind of vibe, this is like the toothy stuff that I I love. Totally. I'm so happy that he's our opening narrator. If we have to get a huge dump truck of exposition, Mm -hmm. this is how I want it. Absolutely. Um, Before like tapping into some of that exposition, I just want to say that the the, one of the lines that I picked out from Spike in this episode that I have a feeling is going to be like the ongoing question is there's sort of this, are you the uh, Spike who sort of answers to Buffy or are you the like vampire, evil vampire poet? I love mm. that poet was still part of that. Like you guys, we've heard Spike's poetry. Mm-hmm. It's not good, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. beside the point. But I do think that like, you know, we met Spike as evil Spike with Drew. We saw Spike go through this huge evolution. And now the narrative here in episode one is telling us Spike is undercover. He's playing for the good team. Of course he is. He's the Spike that we last saw where you said we saw him. He's been a good, he's been a good, 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 good boy. (laughs) But I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we, the listeners, the former viewers, now listeners, are forced to reckon with this question again, you know, like, we know Drusilla's here. We get some back and forth with Spike and Clem mm. on what love, what love is like, what his love with Drew is like, what his love with Buffy is like. And so there's a part of me that hopes that we're playing a bit with the nature of Spike again, because it is, mm. I think, I think it's an open-ended question, especially if Drusilla is here. It's interesting. It's interesting, but he's got a soul now, Kristen. I know he's got a chip. He had a chip. Then he got rid of the chip. Then he got a soul. Now he's doing he's fighting the good fight. 
But like, what if he, I mean, you know, I know we've never seen this before, Jenny, but what if he loses his soul? Oh, uh oh. I know. I mean, it's a wild concept. I know I'm I'm introducing something new. A vampire who regained his soul losing his soul sounds fake. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So Uh. Spike's Spike's take on present day is that uh, being evil has lost a bit of its luster because there are just so many you can't walk down the street without tripping over another vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard out there for for evil beings. Yeah, he's running this uh or not running this I guess, but just as a major figure at this underground club. Uh this is Friends of Darkness. Is that the name of the club or that's just the name Friends of, of the Friends of Darkness? F- Friends of Darkness. I is- believe Friends of Darkness refers just to the people. people types. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and at this club, it's, it's you know, I mean, we've seen spaces like this in the Buffyverse before where it's like th- where the demons gather to like watch demons fight other demons and they place bets and yeah, you can imagine yeah. Or what the watch their is. crocodile program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and he also gives us a taste of this resistance, the resistance. It's centered in Los Angeles and this is the resistance against the Slayers. Now there's a lot of them, but of course, wherever there's a lot of Slayers, there are clearly going to be a lot of demons who are plotting against them so that they can regain <laughs> their throne as evil people on the top of the underground. That's the why I didn't write on, this. On the t- evil on the people the- on the top of the underground. It, yep, a series of Friends of Darkness, colon. <laughs> evil people on the top of the underground. Stay tuned for an uh, Audible original by Kristen Russo. I was going to say, it's actually wild that Kristen didn't write this. <laughs> Uh, okay so we talked about the oh there's also it's important to like a big part of spike's current undercover work is that he has perpetuated a rumor that uh buffy did mind control on him and that's why he was doing good works for a while Uh uh-huh uh-huh i mean some could say being in love is one form of mind control you know for sure (laughs) we get we get this fight it's there's a lot of I, I will say, and this I think is probably part of storytelling where you only are using audio. There's a lot of accents. There's just a wild amount of accents. And I imagine that that's a choice made to really help the listener differentiate between yeah. characters. Um, but as Kristen, in- if I started listening to Buffering the Vampire Slayer today, I w- it would probably be about a month before I could tell us apart. <laughs> I know. I know. When we go back to the original <laughs> episodes, there are comments of like, how can you tell them apart? And like now we're like, <laughs> Women, they're you- all the same. <laughs> um. But, you know, we get the there's a Fjarl fighting some ginger vamps. Uh, Spikes put money down on it. He owes the winner money and yada, yada. But like, who cares? Because Clem has come in to the bar to pull Spike to the back room. Um, and this is yeah. where we learn that there is a Penthos demon who mm-hmm. Penthos demons. Uh, I don't I don't know. I didn't look this up, actually. I don't know if that's a new demon uh, to the Buffy verse or not. Jenny's typing, so she'll find out for us. But in this episode, we learn that a Penthos demon is a demon that feeds off of the misery of others. It's sort of like the emotional vampire uh, from what we do in the shadows. Uh, just cranked up a couple clicks. Yeah, I just did a cursory Googling for like a little double check. I'm not seeing any Penthos demons uh, come up. The top results when I Google Penthos demon Buffy are um, Der Kindestad, uh, De Hoffren. Oh, true fan favorite. And Giles as a Fjarl demon. Nice. <laughs> 
Well, um, Miranda is the Penthos demon that we're going to meet. And we learn before we even meet Miranda that this particular Penthos demon has killed every single member of one of these uh, Slayer's family. Gwen is the Slayer and she's in the hospital um, and there's some Slayers guarding her, but she has been through a lot of drama. Okay, and so Miranda's looking for somebody to take out the Slayer bodyguards that are guarding the Slayer Gwen, who's currently in the hospital in San Diego, because Miranda wants to go feed on this misery she's cultivated so carefully. Um, I, Kristen. (laughs) Yes, Jenny. When Clem and Spike pass from, you know, Fight Club in the front to the dark place in the back, (laughs) which is another way of saying mullet. uh, (laughs) I... I heard, I did not yet have the script in front of me, and I was just listening, and I listened several times, and I thought that Spike said, I thought Spike referred to Miranda as the bow-legged one by the bar, and I was like, oh that is God. such a particular choice. I have, like, a bow-legged in my notes three times. Uh, as you can now see, uh, he says leggy brunette, uh, not yeah. bow legged. But I'm glad that you didn't have the script, so you got that moment of um, confusion. I would like to say that Miranda is played by Juno Dawson. Juno Dawson has done a, a like literal ton of shit. Um, but Jenny, for you, I'm going to end on the thing you'll be most excited about. Uh, <laughs> Juno Dawson is a trans woman. She wrote the book. Uh, this book is gay. It sounds so close to my, bo- oh my, my book. This is a book for parents of gay kids. Juno Dawson and I have very similar titlers of our books. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she also just released the first of an adult fantasy trilogy that has gotten incredible reviews called Her Majesty's Royal Coven. Uh, so uh, mm. telegraphing to the buffering book club, like this will be going on the list because I'm really curious about it. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, she also hosts, she's the co-host of a um, podcast, and it's a, it's about a show that you particularly love, so I wondered if you wanted to take a guess. I already looked at her Wikipedia God article, so I'm going to guess that the, the show you're trying to accuse me of loving is <laughs> Sex in the City, which is inaccurate. Do, 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 do. Oh, I do love that vibraphone, though. Uh, yeah, I was so <laughs> excited when I saw this because in our X-Files universe, Jenny has been one week at a time writing Carrie Bradshaw diary entries, but from Scully. And I was like, wow, the overlap here is uh, strong. So I was I, I was real excited to tell you about the Sex in the City podcast podcast that Juno Dawson hosts. Uh, incredible. So Miranda. Mm-hmm. Miranda. Mm-hmm. Oh, Miranda. Wow. A sex in the city. Name. Oh my gosh. Even... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So Miranda, as you mentioned before, asks Spike, which one's the real you? The lapdog or the savage poet? The slayer lover or the slayer killer? Kristen, I have a question for you. Mm. Fuck, Mary kill. Lapdog? Savage poet? Bow-legged woman by the bar. Oh, my God. Okay, wait. Savage poet, mm-hmm. lap dog, uh-huh. bow-legged woman at the bar. Uh-huh. I'm going to f- fuck the savage poet. I'm going to kill the lap dog, and I'm going to marry the bow-legged woman at the bar. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I don't uh, want a lap dog. A lap dog seems like a great idea for a minute, and then you just have a lap dog, you know? You're like I'm trying. I want my lap. Yeah, I would like to get up and move around. Thank you. Okay. Okay. But I think a savage poet would be a good time in bed. You know what I mean? 
If, okay, okay, okay. Although okay, okay. by these by these criteria, we are saying that that what William the Bloody was a savage poet, or Spike was like who? It seems like William was a poet and Spike was savage. I don't know that there was ever a savage poet. In, 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 in <laughs> he Spike. contains multitudes, Kristen. Mm. Let him. It's true. It's true. Okay, so these two are flirting very heavily. Uh, Miranda, yes, you're is. easy on the Thick eyes. Thick in the air. Yes. Miranda, you're easy on the eyes, so I guess I'll bite Spike. I kind of hope you do. Uh, great. We love to see it. We get the plan that, Jenny, you already mentioned. Miranda wants Spike to go in and help her get back. I'm wondering, I'm really like big picture. I'm wondering if there's going to be a twist for Miranda as well, because it just seems... The question of why are you going to all of this trouble just to get mm. the misery from this slayer is a question that I do not feel has been answered. So I'm going to mm-hmm. leave space for that question to be answered in a more complex way because I don't okay. really get it. I think there's plenty of misery for Miranda. I want to know if there is going to be more than meets the eye to Clem's obsession with grape soda because <laughs> grape soda is the star of this episode. Grape soda <laughs> is in every scene. It's true. What's up with grape soda? Yo. Also, Kristen, grape soda or orange soda? Orange soda, a thousand percent. I cannot mm. fuck with grape soda. What about you? Okay. One of each, please. What? You're not choosing? No, this I is love just both. like when Mallory and Joanna were podcasting about yellow jackets, ah. and Mallory asked Joanna to pick which part of a body she would eat first, and then Mallory left her hanging. Same vibes. And Mallory was correct. <laughs> Wow. Hashtag Team Joanna. Um, okay. Did you know, though, sidebar, uh, the, in the grape soda arc, in the, in the narrative arc of grape soda in this episode, we hear Clem talking about how all he wants is uh, to have Frank's fizzy grape soda again. Uh-huh. That's a real soda, but it's like you cannot. It's gone. It's like a, a grape. I sensed there was there was no way that detail was not about a real soda. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, it was like, it took me a lot, it took me a lot, like I wasn't there with my microfiche or anything, but it was not a cursory Google kind of a search. Uh, Frank's was a soda company or a pop company, depending on how you want to spin it, uh, in soda. Philadelphia in the 1940s, uh, and I saw some of the, the, like, cans of the soda, and it's really fucking cool, so I'm just saying, like, if there's any way for us to legally make a Frank's fizzy grape soda t-shirt, I would like to do that. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, with a... Boston Terrier mascot, you say? Yes, exactly. All right. Just when everyone's eviling about, eviling onward at a nice zippy clip, uh, in busts a fresh new vampire slayer no one has seen before, you know, because someone's like, never seen her before. (laughs) Which, you know, is fair, because how else are they going to let us know? Uh, Yeah. I like the idea of them like flipping through their Slayer catalog and being like, no, this one uh, wasn't in the le- the most recent issue. She must be fresh. Uh-huh. uh-huh. We meet Indira. Indira is a 16-year-old Slayer that we learned shortly after her entrance into the bar has been activated, as Spike says, over her Wheaties this morning. She's also a huge fan of Slayers, which Latoya had a note of like, you know, the writing of this character as someone who's a fan of the universe does a service for us, the listeners, if we are 
fans. Um, I love the choice. Like personally, I think it's really fun. I love the idea of this high school girl who's just like, wow, I've heard about all these slayers and they're so cool. And like reading up on them and the bars and the secrets of the underground and then all of a sudden becoming a slayer and like losing her fucking mind. So either I like it because I like it uh, unbiased or I just like it because it's working on me. I can't tell. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Okay, so Indira tussles with Spike. Indira gets cracked in the skull with a chair. Miranda says she's going to eat Indira's face. <laughs> I, I did love that choice for a line. I was like, okay, we're going to yeah, go there. Yeah. yeah. Effective. Uh-huh. Uh, Indira, played by Leia Delion Hayes. Uh, this is an incredible, like, listen, everyone's doing a great job here, but there are some of these voice actors that just absolutely knock me off my feet with how much emotion they communicate with you know, uh, just a handful of lines here and there. Uh, Clearly, Indira has a lot of lines in this episode, but I just think that she's phenomenal and she's doing an incredible job. Um, She is young. She's 16, but I think they set it up right away to let us know that she's young, but she can kick ass and she's not going to take Spike's like fucking nicknames and babysitting jokes like she's like enough of you like I might be 16 and I might have a lot to learn but like you're not my fucking babysitter fuck off so I'm here I am a huge fan of Indira out of the gates loving it uh Spike refers to her as a little nugget (laughs) a little nugget a baby slayer he's got a whole bunch he's spiking out you know this is a place where you know they're leaning into the spike of yesteryear but uh, he uses the concept that 
slayers and watchers can't be killed on the premises of this little nightclub mm-hmm. as a way to take custody of Indira and get her out of there. Who do you think the proprietors of this business are? <sighs> Wolfram and Hart. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's just wouldn't like, that just be the thing? Yeah, it's just like Lindsay just still around leading this club. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this is also why I think there's got to be a, more of a twist for Miranda here because I just didn't believe Miranda's like, no, she's mine, she's mine, and then she's like, oh, fine, take her. You know what I mean? Like it just it just yeah. feels like uh, Miranda must have something else up her sleeves if she's wearing sleeves, which I can't tell because this is an audio drama. <laughs> Um, so Spike and Clem leave with Indira. They put Indira in the trunk. The sound effects I thought were great here of like the trunk noises and the banging and her muffled voice and what have you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jenny, I, I've already said how much I love James Leary in this. I love Clem and Spike. I've always loved Clem and Spike. Uh, I just want to play a sound clip of, uh, Clem and Spike talking in the car. This is after we learn, of course, about, uh, Clem's love for grape soda, but also that he loves Yacht Rock. So let's hear, let's hear this little conversation. Oh, please. Your look may be sex pistols, but your heart's hauling oats. Sometimes I'd rather die than have you for a friend. Best friend. Christ. Say it. I will not. That's okay. I still feel it. Cute. It's just cute. Yeah. What a great, what a great pairing. Uh, (laughs) So happy to have these two together for what seems like it might be the long haul of this series. Clem also gets this line that's like uh, to Indira after they take Indira out of the trunk um, and he says, hello, young slayer. My name is Clement. <laughs> Which so that it just seems like a play on uh hello, fellow kids to me. And and like shortly after we get fucking Indira talking about following slayer shit on Reddit, and Clem is like, these teens and their angsty slang, and she's like, it's not slang. It's just a <laughs> website. Mm-hmm. Jenny, do you know anything about the history of Reddit? Do you know anything about like where Reddit came from? educate me well it's like you know clearly i i assumed that like some dude started this thing and of course you know uh steve huffman and alexis ohanian whatever who cares i mean i'm sure people care but they were roommates and they they were roommates <gasps> and they, they were roommates <laughs> in college and they started reddit but the thing that really like just blew me away was that in in 2014, when they were doing a huge round of fundraising, um, the investors included Snoop Dogg and Jared Leto, two of the first in like big investors into yes. Reddit. And I was like, what? So <laughs> what Reddit do you think they were super active on I, at the time? <laughs> Snoop Dogg, definitely. Okay, Snoop Dogg was on r slash weed, obviously. Obviously. And Jared Leto was probably on r slash Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, shit. Nailed it, Jenny. Fucking swish. Thank I could you. put that swish sound effect in for Jenny Owen Youngs right there. Yeah, you know, I'm just on r slash yellow jackets. That's pretty much <laughs> pretty much where I hang out. Um, okay, so we get a little bit of Indira's backstory, like her her home life. Right. Her mom is not around. Her dad is in the military and is away. And she gets looked after by her grandpa, right? Yeah, who's like asleep by now. And so she's just ready to go. You know, she's ready to party, but she doesn't have a watcher and she doesn't know how to find one. And Spike, you know, has his sensitive side. So he's like, okay, we'll take her. I know where to take her. 
my first listen, I was honestly a bit confused with this scene because I assume he said something about old and wrinkled. And so I just assumed we were going to Giles. Like I like Rude. No, not because I think Giles is old and wrinkled, but because I just He's assumed Spike, Spike thinks. Yeah, I assumed Spike for would sure, dig on Giles sure. like that. And so we actually go to uh, Zantina's. This is this character named Zantina, who is uh, hail, hails by accent from New York, but living in Los Angeles. Um, and she, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natasha Leone is a watcher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's a former watcher. She has a cat. She runs a market. She does not eat pizza on the West Coast, which I celebrate. No yeah, offense, same. West Coast, but mm, it's not pizza. Um and she is written in the script as late 70s, uh, an older New York Puerto Rican woman. I am what like in her first couple of lines, I definitely got some Rosie Perez uh, energy. Mm. So uh, checks out. And she basically is like, I'm not taking care of this kid. I just yeah, conf- because she's probably cheerful. <laughs> Cheerful is not welcome in this store. Right. This was just, this scene confused me more than any of the other scenes. I didn't really, and maybe obviously like maybe Zantina will work into the story in a way that we can't yet see, but I thought we were going to Giles. We do get Spike calling Giles from Zantina's, so we assume Giles will probably pop up in episode two, Um, but I didn't really learn anything from this scene that I felt I needed to learn. So question mark. I don't know how you felt about this, Jenny. It feels like the main function of this scene is to tell us that Spike couldn't get a hold of Giles right away and that Spike is trying to offload this kid but isn't able to and therefore, uh uh-oh, we're going to get Spike and Indira together (laughs) for a little bit longer. (laughs) Oh, my God. I okay. So like you just said, they leave Zantina's. They still have Indira. What are they going to do? They've got to get to poker. They've left a message with Giles. Spike says he says it's Giles, young mind, ready to be molded by his wisdom. That's like catnip for him. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the first this is the first one when we learn there's a trapdoor because he says if he hasn't heard from Giles in a few hours, then he'll use the trapdoor at the magic box to take him to Giles. So Giles is by time zone wise. What does it mean? Like time zone wise, Jenny, Giles is in London, right? Because he's saying like, or London, that's, you know, whatever. He's overseas because uh, Spike says like, oh, it's like already 6 a.m. there or whatever. Mm-hmm. So does that mean maybe the, the trapdoor at the magic box is just a little portal that goes wherever you need it to go? Yeah. Okay. But that is powered by something that is a finite resource. So you mm. don't want to just use it for just any old reason. Mm. That's my it. guess. Like when you have a low battery on your iPhone and you really need to decide like what you're going to look at and what you're not. Yeah. You're like, I need to keep these this maps directions thing up. But also I like really need to look at Instagram. <laughs> I also really need to look at Reddit uh, about Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. We go to poker, which is at Galaxy Books, a bookstore run by a character named Raheem. I am obsessed. This is my favorite location in the episode uh, so far. I love everything about it. Uh, populated by Dream Blunt Rotation, Buzz, <laughs> the collective ghost of all hummingbirds who've ever died in Los Angeles, <laughs> Raheem, a bookseller, Esther, the scavenger, 
Clem <laughs> and Spike. Incredible. Incredible. The fucking, like, Esther the scavenger just being like, matter of fact, I eat roadkill. Like, that's my vibe. I eat dead things. Raheem just being like, I- I'm just a dude, actually. It's just my bookstore. And like, Clem promised he would stop eating kittens if I let him play here. So what have you. I loved when I heard about Buzz, when I heard Buzz talk about who she was, I was like, this might be my favorite new character in the universe. We're only in episode (laughs) one, but TBD. Uh, So let's just hear this. So Buzz is voiced by uh, Denise Pickering. Uh, Raheem is Josh McClenney. Esther is Glenda Morgan Brown. They're doing a great job. Let's hear Indira and Buzz uh, have a little back and forth about the hummingbirds. Look, I just have to ask. Buzz, right? They call me that? Yes. When Clem said you're the death of hummingbirds, what does that actually mean? Do you hunt and kill them, or...? Don't be absurd. I would never. I am they, and they are me. Hummingbirds. All of them. Oh, yeah, that clears it up. Not at all. She's the ghost. Um, she looks pretty alive to me. I am hummingbirds. Everyone that ever lived and died. In the city, Los Angeles, all of them. Live fast, die young. You're the... Wow. Now you can say you know the collective unconscious of all the hummingbirds who've ever died in Los Angeles. Cool and creepy all at the same time. Right, Indira? Oh, Buzz. Heady concept. Oh, Buzz. I'm feeling it. Clem is... Okay, Clem is getting the best lines in the episode all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nonstop. In the previous scene... When Indira asked him what's up with him and grape soda, he said, we almost take our secret joys where we can find them. (laughs) And here we find out that he enjoys the Fifty Shades series. And when he's asked what's up with that, he says he's always been fascinated by the way toxic people can't escape each other's gravity, which naturally leads right into a conversation about Spike's dating history. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We get... Drusilla mesmerized him for a century. Buffy Summers was his death star. What a poet. You know who the poet is fucking Clem. Yeah, Clem William is a savage wishes. poet. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> William could never. Uh, I do love that Spike says love is like the five guys touching yeah. the elephant. It feels different depending on where you grabbed hold of it. Yeah. Very nice. And then he says, he's done with love. He'll never love again. <laughs> Couldn't. This is how I know Spike will be in love before the end of the season. <laughs> totally. Narrator's voice. Uh, he would. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess we'll just see where this all goes with the Spike and the love of it all. But again, we know Drusilla is right around the bend. So. Yeah. Esther, Esther says dead things have dead hearts and dead hearts can't contain love. But we've seen... We've seen Spike be in love. And Spike kicks Spike kicks Esther out of the cave. Yeah, like he is He's like, Don't tell me what I can't love. Totally. And like I feel like clearly he's upset, but this is one of the moments where I was like, would we have gotten even more of how upset this made him if we could also see it? You know, because I think like I think it's a big mm. deal that he kicks Esther out of the game. And there's lines here to cue us to that, right? Like, but Esther's been here. What do you mean? Blah, blah, blah. But like, mm. uh, I'm not sure it like totally landed in like, maybe maybe he wasn't oh. supposed to be as upset as I think. But I just had this feeling that this idea that he can't love is something that really, really made him angry. I think, you know what you're reminding me of, Kristen? Hmm. 
when we interviewed James Marsters, the great and powerful, uh, mm-hmm. we had a conversation with him about theater acting versus television acting mm. because his background was in theater. And then he was talking about how he would watch uh, Anthony Head film scenes and he'd be like, well, he's not even doing anything. <laughs> yeah. And then he would like, and then he would, you know, see it on the screen and be like, oh he's doing so much but it's so subtle because he knows what the camera is going to capture and how close up on him it will be and how you know a tiny little eyebrow movement will read on tv in a way that it just simply can't in a theater setting and this audio medium is is very much more i think leaning in the theater direction where you have to work with what you have you don't have a visual, much in the same way that in theater, you don't have, you know, control over how much detail and how much nuance an audience member can read on your face. Yeah. So, like, we're getting a very particular kind of performance mm-hmm. that, uh, in this storytelling yeah. that I think is just, you know, going to be interesting to kind of keep an eye on as we move forward. Yeah. Hell yeah. So Esther leaves. She doesn't even protest. She's like, nah, fuck you guys. <laughs> she walks out so slow. She it's like. Does footstep footstep but she's taking her time she is she at first when i when i didn't have the script i was like oh is esther like walking with a cane because it was just like like it was like slow and so much tapping but then in this in the script i read this is her boots dragging across the floor uh she'll leave when she's ready to leave thank you very much um (laughs) but then oh no there is a tussle uh to put it lightly happening outside um you know indira's like what is esther doing uh raheem if she's trashing my store clem esther wouldn't do that correct someone is here and we hear esther say slayer she's a slayer and she wants to see spike (gasps) what Indira asking the question that any uh, watcher of Buffy would have probably asked, is it Buffy? I'll freak out. (laughs) We immediately established it is not Buffy. And this Slayer comes in in a hood. Clem is like a mystery woman in a hood. And I'm like, honey, if you don't recognize that voice, I know you've clearly never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and it's spinoff Angel. What's incredible, Jenny, I don't know if you saw this, is that the, the script says, when Cordelia Chase speaks, at first we shouldn't necessarily know her voice. And I'm like, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> there is that no is disguising charisma. my beautiful, yeah. beloved CC. Absolutely not. Oh, let's... um. I'm sure, you know, we've we've gone through so many people we have jingles for, but we have other episodes. We'll get to all the jingles that we have, but we cannot get to the entrance of Cordelia Chase without playing her, her fucking jingle. Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia, you're perfect, Cordelia. Wow. Um, this got me the sound, the music, the sound effects, the charisma, all of it. I felt very emotional. Um, and you know, we get some questions here. Cordelia, isn't she dead? Um, and Spike says, yeah, the last time I saw her. So maybe she's a ghost. She's a demon. She's a shapeshifter. Um, and he says he's going to kill her either way question mark posture what why um because like i guess it's not the real cordelia so therefore it must be evil cordelia 
She calls him mm-hmm. Spiky, Jenny, which I love. How do you feel about it? I love it, but I'm like, when did this ever get established? Maybe with the spike in her reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could just... I like, could... what What in their history created a precedent oh my God, <laughs> that would you... lead her to call him Spiky? Do you think that Cordelia and Spike had, like, a sordid, oh my God. like, knock the house down love affair in her Kristen? reality? We better add some slots and noms up there because I just said it out loud oh. and now it's going in. <laughs> My God. And that's what she said. <laughs> this Cordelia, she's not like other Cordelias. And by other Cordelias, I mean the one Cordelia that we know. She's not from around here. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not even from this reality. Where I live, I became the Slayer when I was 15. The one and only Slayer. Not like this world where you have like, I don't know, enough to give away with every purchase at Sephora. When they mention Buffy, if there was just one sentence (laughs) that could sum up a certain era of Cordelia Chase, Mm -hmm. it would be, who is this Buffy person? Uh, Clem uh. says it. Plot twist. In Cordelia's reality, there was never a Buffy. She is the chosen one. Um, in her reality, she also tells us Spike is already dead. Um, and she's fighting to keep Sunnydale, um, to save Sunnydale and eventually the world from being overrun by vampires. Um, and we're about to learn sort of how she got here, why she's here. Dun, dun, dun. Kristen, she needs Spike's help specifically because the big bad in Cordelia's reality is somebody only Spike has ever really understood. Oh, shit. I'm breathing into a paper bag. Everything's going to be fine. Ring, ring. (laughs) Magic box. (laughs) Kristen, mm. hold on to your butts. Oh, I'm holding Both on of to them. all of my butts. <laughs> <laughs> it's Anya. <laughs> my beautiful, my beloved, my number one fave. Anya is here. Are we dropping her jingle? She's at work. She is. She's. She basically is just about to hit the cash register to open that shit up. Cha-ching! Hit it, bitch. And by bitch, I mean me. <laughs> She spent one millennium demonically vengeance in Speaks her mind and then some You know she's partial to the finer things And down with double boyfriends, oh yeah Exchanging cash for goods and also services She'd love to hold the money for ya She'll hold that cash Just keep the bunnies far from Anya All right, she's got a puppy this puppy needs to stop its yapping, honestly. It yapped. It's I mean, a yappy guy. Poor survival instincts, Jasper. Or good protective instincts, oh, Jasper, Jasper. But Oh, now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did the dog die? Dot com. Oh, no. The person on the other end of the phone is barking up the wrong tree. This is a funny choice. To... This is a funny yeah. choice. Uh, yeah, there's no Harry Potter merch at the Magic Box, friend. Uh, Anya is uh, so, uh, so over it. She's like, I, she like tries to be patient and a good customer uh, service rep. 
And then like two seconds in, she says, if you say another word, I will turn you into a lobster and boil you slow. And then after the person hangs up, she just says to Jasper, I hate people. Relatable yeah. content, Anya. That sounds like something Anya would say. Okay, so in the scene, we find out she's the one, she's in Cordelia's reality. She's the one who sent Cordelia to Spike's reality. She's opening up a scrying window. <laughs> who among us hasn't opened up a scrying window Fuck from yeah. time to time? Fuck Am I right, yeah. Kristen? Uh, but she, oops. Okay. Who among us hasn't <laughs> opened a scrying window, <laughs> peeped our little eye up to it, and then been like, ah, it's an evil <laughs> version of me. <laughs> I hate that feeling. This is a huge question because at least right now we are to believe I mean, maybe Anya looked into the wrong reality to see, because she sees Anyanka. Um, but if she's looking into the reality where she sent Cordelia, and we are to believe that that is the same reality where we left off Buffy season seven, Angel season five, Anyanka and Anya are deceased. They are not alive, which is what Anya in this dimension believes she thought she was dead in this world. So what the fuck is going on there? I don't know. I don't know what's do going think, on, but I want to know. You think Tahafrin just fucking missed her too much? He fucking used some of his little magics to get Anyanka back. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, but she, but Anyanka senses that Anya is peeping at her through the scrying window, and Anya's don't like, "Don't you ah! think evil you would sense?" Yeah. Anya like slams shut the scrying window um, and then oh no oh the sound effects cue says Jasper starts to whine and snuffle oh no and there comes a rap tap tapping at the door mm, not to over jingle you but hit it bitch Drusilla is the queen of vampires in this reality, Fuck which yeah, it feels correct. Correct. Incredibly correct. We know that in all realities, it seems Drusilla keeps dollies. You love to see it. Good. Yes. Good. Uh, uh, <laughs> Drusilla's got a question for Anya and terrible news. Terrible, terrible news. Never. If you are living in a world with vampires... Never put two names on the deed. Yeah. Just simply don't do it because clearly Anya made that decision and it is not doing her any favors at this moment in time. I feel like I know too much to guess here, but I'm sure that at home, well, no, no one's guessing because these were these were dumped as a binge listen. So everyone actually can have access to the answers. But us fools, we're still going spoiler free. OK, spoiler okay. free, baby. <laughs> um, but definitely um, have a few names on my list of who I think is on this fucking deed with Anya. Whoever it is betrayed her and already let Drusilla in. So here she comes. Eek. And she's got one question. So, my question. Answer, or I'll have your guts for garters. I'll eat you up. And your little dog, too. Oh, please. 
tell me which. Uh, where is Cordelia Chase? Bum, bum, now, bum. I'm just looking up garters really quick. Okay, let's see, let's see. <laughs> just garters? I just feel like, well, yeah, because I was like, all right. Guts, garters, yeah, what's like, the sort of like practical application? I think you stretch an intestine nice and taut. Right. Yeah, I'm saying I, I get that. I just feel like they'll be all slippery, you mm. know. I don't know how well they're holding up your your well, over-the-knee stockings. Maybe you can like cure them, you know, like sort of like a leather-working mm-hmm. kind of a vibe to mm. make some nice like For sexy those of you leather garters. Who might be listening who have made guts into garters, please. <laughs> Please email us at hello at bufferingcast.com. Guts into Garters is also like uh, uh, next generation of eyeballs to entrails. So, you know, very much, very much here for that. I'm trying to think I'm like flipping through the Buffy Rolodex of my mind for Drusilla Cordelia interactions in, you know, our universe. And I, I just can't think of... Like off the don't yell at me, all of the people who just pulled their cars over to email me that one time that Drusilla did this iconic thing that I have just forgotten. But I don't have anything <laughs> immediately. Do you did you did a Drusilla Cordelia Googling give you anything, Jenny? Listen Please don't yell at us. No, I have you, a baby and I haven't slept in nine months. Uh, and yeah, Kristen and I have a business partner. Hasn't who remembered has a baby. anything in forty two yeah. years. <laughs> also that. Um if you, I would love to, if, I'm sure that there has to be something or maybe we're geniuses and there's not, but hello at bufferingcast.com. So we, um, we did it. There's a couple of things that we still have to cover though, Jenny, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kristen, I wanted to, something happened in this episode that inspired me to propose a new superlative, which is, what is your favorite audio of this episode? Hmm. Well, I wasn't prepared for this question, so I will just say that. But I, I will. I'm going to give you three uh, answers. Three? If they're not. They're not my favorites. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm a. My therapist says I'm somebody who needs to talk to process. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Footage not found. <laughs> so. Okay. I love the effect that's given to Buzz's voice. I know that's not like a standalone sound effect, but sure, sure. I just think it's really cool. Um, I think that these sound effects around grape soda are absolutely soaring, doing oh, yes. incredible work. And then I had highlighted a sound effect to talk about, um, which I think is very fun. And it's the sound effect that happens in between Cordelia's last line in the one reality and Anya's first line in the alternate reality. And in the script, it says this is a music cue that we will come to associate with switching realities. So A, I really Mm. liked it. And B, I thought it was really cool to like come to the table and think, okay, we need to think of something that we will use because the back and forth between these realities has got to be a a massive thing. I mean, it seems to be the thing. So I'll I'll put that one as my pick for favorite in episode one. I love it. I love it. Okay. My favorite audio in the episode is when Clem and Indira are alone in the car and they're chatting and Flem is talking about how his ears are floppy and soft <laughs> and how he uses baby bottom lotion to keep them supple. Yes. And then he flaps his ears. And listen, I live in a household 
where there is a furry little guy flapping his ears all the time. And while he and Clem don't have like identical ears, the sound of Frank's ears like predispose me to really, really appreciate this particular sound design you ear flapping we should keep a list of of these jenny because if we get to talk to the folks who worked on the sound effects it would be really really fun to find out some of the things they used to capture these sounds good thing i introduced the superlative yeah great great work speaking of both supers and latives um, I don't know what I mean by that. If you know what I mean, <laughs> then you know what I mean. If you know, you know. Uh. Let us shut you in the trunk of our car and drive on over to the <laughs> Sexual Tension Awards where we will then let you out and allow you to vote. Sexual Welcome back to the first installment of... Buffyverse Sexual Tension Awards in a year. Wow. Friends, it's been a year. Things have been percolating. Uh, and here we are to reap the benefits and sip the <laughs> brew. <laughs> uh, just thinking about coffee. Uh, if you're new here, which seems so strange but if you're new here <laughs> but you're still welcome what happens. <laughs> you're very welcome uh all are welcome for every episode that we talk about we select some pairings or some triplings or some combos of uh individuals entities beings inanimate objects concepts that anyone certain, may apply yeah some kind of gravitational pull between them that cannot be denied and then we let you the listener vote and tell us uh who which deserves to be on top of the underworld or whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell i said yeah. <laughs> uh okay so here we go it's not number one it's pretty straightforward they're not pulling any punches they're getting like right down to double entendre it's miranda and spike fuck yeah the noms in slot number two what can you say about I them? I mean, they, I, I would say they have an effervescence, if anything. They have an effervescence. I would say they take their simple pleasures where they can find them. It's Clem and Grape Soda. Love that knows no bounds. Speaking of a love that knows no bounds, in slot number three, some say that a long, long, long wait, possibly flavored by marination in like a general sense of injustice and frustration <laughs> can produce uh, the most intense love of all. Mm-hmm. The greatest Therefore, love of uh, all, in fact. The greatest love of all, <laughs> indeed. Uh, which applies to slot number three and what is inside of it, the return of Cordelia Chase and all of us. Crowd cheers. Audience stands up. And 11th hour edition in slot number four. Can't believe we missed this uh, before we started taping. It's alternate reality Spike and Cordelia, who I am increasingly certain have boned thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. And congrats to them. Congrats to them and to all of us. (laughs) Truly. So 
If you want to vote in our Sexual Tension Award polls, please, 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 please navigate your way on over to bufferingcast.com slash STA, which will take you to this episode's Sexual Tension Awards poll. Vote wisely. Vote early. Vote often. You can only vote once. In fact, usually our polls are up for six days between episodes, but friends, we are moving at a slightly accelerated pace for these first couple of episodes treats more quickly than usual so please 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 (laughs) hurry over to that url because the poll will only be up for a few days hell yeah well i can't believe it we fucking we're we're back back, baby I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. I am too. Um, you know, this is This def- must be what Vin Diesel feels like every time there there is a new Fast and Furious movie. He's like, I can't believe I can't fucking believe it. I can't believe it. I have to say that it is like I mean, clearly we have been simmering in this universe for years at this point. Um and we're excited to talk about it, but I I don't think I realized until we started talking about it how fun it was going to be to have all of the backstory that we have in such minute detail, you know? Like, it's it's very fun to be able to talk with you, specifically, Jenny, uh, who mm. I've journeyed with for six years through the series, about this new chapter. Uh, I should say, too, we haven't said in the pod, but in case you don't know, the continuity here, as far as we understand it, is is the TV show only, TV shows only. It does not include the Dark Horse comics run. So in case you have questions about like that. <laughs> what? And based on the issues we read most recently of the Dark Horse comics, that feels like a little bit of a relief right now. Yeah, thank God. Um <laughs> But I, I had that question. I think we both did going in. Like, where is the, you know, where's the last point? Um, and so far as we understand it, it is uh, the television series alone. I'm excited. I can't wait to find out what happens next. You all are going to be ahead of us. We're going to be going one episode at a time. But I'm sure you're all out there binging and uh, getting the whole story. Oh, my God. Um, don't spoil us. Yeah, don't be spoil nice. us. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm actually about to get in my car right now and listen to episode number two. So I'm pretty stoked to find out what happens. Incredible. Well, Kristen. Mm. It brings me even more pleasure than usual to say I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> and when I'm not watching or listening to Buffy, I'm usually making music. I have a brand new album out called Avalanche. You can find it on your favorite digital music platform or where you buy records. You can give me a shout on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Jenny Owen Youngs. And you could come see me on tour. Actually, tour for me starts today, this very day that this episode goes up. I'll be playing in New York, in DC, Philly, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. And I will be bringing along friend of the pod, editor of the pod, John Mark Nelson, who's going to be opening and also playing some songs with me. He is the absolute best. We are going to have such a glorious time. And I hope you can be there with us having a glorious time as well. Fuck yeah. Uh, I am Kristen Russo. 
when I am not uh, watching Buffy or the X-Files, listening to Slayers, etc., I'm often working with LGBTQ communities. You can learn more about me and my work at kristinnoline.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer <laughs> is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and newly TikTok at BufferingCast. <laughs> We made a viral TikTok. Well, viral for us. <laughs> we, we had our biggest TikTok the other day. Uh, so come on, join us over there uh, and hear me sing lyrics on the fly to a major key version of the X-Files theme song, Should You Dare. Uh, you can email us at hello at bufferingcast.com. Past Kristen saying, boy, future Kristen, I hope that you made a TikTok to the Cordelia jingle by the time the Slayers Audible series debuted. Did I do it? Only future Kristen Only one knows. way to find out. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support us and the work we do, uh, the best way to do that is become a patron of ours. We've got some really fun things happening. We are in the middle of Pumpkin Spike Autumn. Uh, we're watching all sorts of Spike-related episodes together with a whole crew of Buffy-loving people. Uh, but oh, we yeah. also have a ton of other fun things happening there. A book club, which I mentioned in episode. Uh, Jenny does some very fun concerts. There's one coming up in November where we're going to play a lot of Spike songs. Etc. Etc. Bufferingcast.com. You can just click on Patreon and join us. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson, with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And <gasps> till next time. <laughs> till next time. I couldn't even hear you, Jenny. Your voice, your pitch got so high, you went off the Zoom mic. <laughs> till next time. one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a best comic book podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com. <laughs>